All right. Um, the scripture um, for this morning is from John 11 and John 12. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Six days before the Passover, 
Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just thinking about today and how kind Jesus is to us and knowing what we need today, that he had our kids leading us in worship, and then we also get to go to the table today. So um, I want to get us there. Father, Lord, our, our eyes are on you. Uh, we know that you are good. We know that you love your people. We know that you are powerful. We know that you've conquered death. And we need a fresh reminder of that today. Father, we come before you with all of our things that we carry. And we lay them down. And we ask you to open our hearts and our minds to speak to us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to give us hope, to fill us with your love, to fill us with your joy, to fill us with your peace, to fill us with your tears. Lord, to give us everything that we need because we don't even know what we need. But you do, you're our shepherd and uh, you make very, very clear in your word that we will never walk a step in this life or the next where you are not with us. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for giving us each other. And Lord, we, we give you this time. We just continue to give ourselves to you in worship. Uh, open us to what you have for us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so a few things that I feel like the Lord is giving to us today from this passage that I want to share. Uh, and I want to start with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Uh, they were dear, dear friends of Jesus, deeply loved by him. So Lazarus gets very sick. They can tell that this is a very serious illness. And so Mary and Martha do the right thing, right? They go to Jesus. They send for Jesus. They call out to Jesus and say, Lord, please come. Lazarus, our brother, the one whom you love, is ill. And it's serious. And then just silence. Just delay, 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 and then death. And then Jesus finally comes, 
And we see these two sisters, uh, we see their, their personalities come out here. We see Martha hears that Jesus is on the way, and she gets up and takes action. She gets up and starts moving toward him. And she meets him on the road, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, I have to imagine there's some anger in that. Maybe, she, maybe the whole reason she got up was to give him a piece of her mind. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What is she doing? I don't know. <laughs> maybe she's still trying to fix things. Maybe she's still, she's living in spiritual platitudes. I don't know why she said that. Because later she says, when Jesus says to roll away the stone, she says, hey, I don't think you want to do that. So I have no idea what Martha is saying here, and maybe she doesn't either. But Mary, Mary doesn't get up. Mary stays in the house, and she's just weeping and just broken. And there's no words. And then finally, when she hears that Jesus is specifically calling for her, she goes in her first words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's it. And this is, this is speaking to us this week. We just, Lord, if you had been here, right? If you had been here, if you were paying attention, if you were awake, it makes me think of uh, one, one lyricist said it like this, wake up, dead man. Do you see? Do you see what's happening? And some of us, maybe it's more sadness and just melting. Some of us, maybe it's just anger. Some of us, maybe it's just nothing. It's just numb. Some of us are trying to figure it out. Why did, why did this happen? What does this mean? How do we piece this together and get some kind of answer to why all this happened the way it did? So that's enough looking at Mary and Martha. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus loved this family deeply. Loved them deeply. John is so careful to say it multiple times. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. They were his friends. They were his people. He loved them deeply. And he hears them, right? He got the message that they sent to him. He hears them. He's not ignoring them. And he tells his disciples when he gets the message, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This illness, this particular illness of this particular man, of this particular moment, does not lead to death. What is happening is this, the, the death, this little window, the death and resurrection of Lazarus is a sign. This is a sign. And Jesus says, I am thankful for your sake that I was not there when he was just ill so that you may believe, so that God may be glorified, so that you can see exactly what I'm saying. You know, we talk about all the time of sacraments, of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we say, what are those things? Those are physical 
tangible signs of a spiritual reality. And God gives us physical, tangible signs of things because we are frail, because we are weak, because we desperately need them. And so if this man is going to start walking around talking about being able to raise people from the dead, we're going to need a sign. And that's what Lazarus was. This illness of this man in this moment is not actually going to lead to death. It is going to give glory to God so that I, the Son of Man, will be glorified through it. So that you will see the kind of power I have. You will see the plan of God as it is working out in this world. You will see evidence that all of these things I'm saying are not too good to be true. (laughs) They are true. And Jesus talks about death here as casually as he talks about falling asleep. And he is sharing this gift with us. And also, when he gets to where Mary and Martha are, where he gets to where there is a a Lazarus who is dead and in a tomb, and he is surrounded by grief, and he is surrounded by weeping, he is not unaffected. Jesus can talk about death like it's taking a nap. And when he gets there, all of his heart and emotions and is fully engaged. He is so deeply affected. He is angry. That's what these words mean. It says, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. When it says he is deeply moved in his spirit, that means he is indignant. He is deeply angry. What is he angry about? He is angry that the people that he loves have to live through death and suffering. That's what he's angry about. This should not be. You know, we're going through Genesis or think about life before the fall. This should not be. And that makes me angry. And he is greatly troubled. That means he is deeply affected. That means he is fully awake, fully present, bringing all of himself to this moment. And then he sees everyone weeping, and he weeps. He is with us in all the places that we are. He is with us in every single place. He is not high in some ivory tower separated from the suffering of his people. He is on the ground. He is in the mud. He is with us. He is in all the places that we are. And if you know this story, you have to ask the question, why is he so, how is it even possible for him to weep when he knows that he is about to raise Lazarus from the dead in moments? That it almost feels false. How can he weep at that moment when he knows that in just a few minutes, Lazarus is going to be walking around again? Well, he is weeping in that moment for their experience of death and loss. But he is also weeping in that moment for you and for me and for all of his children throughout all history Because of all the things that he has come to do, the work that he has come to finish so that we could have life forever with him, that is true, and we don't get to experience it yet. 
And he is weeping with us because of all the things that he knows that we will have to endure. He's weeping with us as we endure this week. He is weeping with us as I look at all your faces and the people that I know and your stories, all the stuff that we've endured before this week. He is weeping because we have to deal with death and we have to deal with loss and we have to deal with evil and we have to deal with sin. He is weeping because, as a a good friend says, he knows our sin and he knows what sin has done to us. And he is weeping for us in that. The resurrection from the dead and life everlasting is sure and it is coming and we have to live in the not yet. And this is not a secret. This is all over scripture. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We still live in the night. We see the dawn on the horizon, but this is still the night. The morning is not fully dawned yet. You will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy from you. That is not today. In this world, you will have suffering. You will have deep suffering. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, as he also learned from his Lord to talk about the first death like sleep. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So what is he saying there? He's saying, it's time to grieve. He didn't say, I want you to not grieve. I want you to be okay because I just read this book, Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul. And you wouldn't believe the stuff that's in there. No, no, no. He says, I don't want you to grieve as the world grieves as people without hope. I want you to grieve. You should grieve. Look at our Lord. He is weeping. He is angry. This is not right. This is not how it should be. So grieve, but grieve as people who have hope. Some days later, after this episode uh, with Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb, he is going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the annual celebration where all of Israel comes to Jerusalem to celebrate God saving his people from slavery in Egypt many, many years ago and leading them to the promised land. And do you remember how they did that? Every year for the Passover, they would sacrifice a spotless male lamb and take his shed blood and and cover their doorposts with it. Because on that original night, the first Passover, the angel of death was coming to judge all sin, not just Egyptian sin, but the Israelites' sin too. The difference is, all sin faces God's wrath. The difference is, God spoke to his people and said, if you will shed the blood of this blemish-free male lamb and put it on your doorpost, the angel of death will not destroy you. You will be covered by the blood of the lamb. The destroyer would see the blood and pass over your home. You would not be condemned. Your sins would not bring God's wrath down on your head. Death would not visit you. And so all these people that are here, 
They're here to celebrate the Passover, but a lot of these people had been in Bethany when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They watched a very dead man get out of the tomb and live again. And if they hadn't watched it themselves, they heard the story and then they came and saw about it and they saw Lazarus sitting there next to Jesus feasting with him, which by the way, is a foretaste of what we all get to do one day. And now here comes this miracle worker who at first we thought was just a prophet, at first we thought he was just a physician, now we see that he has power over death and surely this is the king of Israel. Surely he's coming to save us. So they yell, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means God save us. God save us in the highest. Save us to the utmost. So go get the palm branches, which is a sign of military victory. It's also a sign of honor to the king so that he won't even have to get the feet of his animal dirty. But just like Lazarus' death and resurrection was a sign, so was the Passover. For all of these years, every time the Passover was celebrated... Every year until this year, the Passover was also a sign pointing forward to something. All those lambs that were slain, all the blood-covered doorposts were pointing to this man, this Jesus, this king. And he's not just coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. He's coming to be the Passover, He's not coming to give a political victory to Israel over the Romans, only to remain enslaved to the power of sin and evil and death. That's too shallow of a victory. That will not suffice. He is the king of the true Israel, not the nation of people who happen to be born of the same family, but the true Israel that God's word talks about is all of his people that are united together from every tribe, every tongue, every nation throughout all the years who, who believe and say, Lord, I want you to be my God and, and, and I am your person. He is the king of the true Israel to give God's people eternal victory over Satan and sin and evil and death forever, to set us free, to give us life to save us from the second death so that we could talk about the first death like it's taking a nap. And despite the palm branches lining the ground, the sinless son of the father, our King Jesus, was going to get very dirty. Covered in our sin, descending down into death so that we could be covered by his blood and raised to life with God forever. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then this quote from the prophets, fear not, fear not Israel. Your king is coming and look at him. Look at how he's coming. He's, it's almost humiliating. He's riding a, a borrowed baby donkey. Fear not, because your king is not stopping with the defeat of the Romans. He's freeing you from death itself. He is riding into the darkest pit of hell on a, a borrowed donkey, covered in humiliation and shame and darkness for us. Fear not, because unlike other kings, he's not sending his people into battle for him. He is telling us to stay home 
so that he can go and defeat the enemies that we could not defeat. He is swallowing all of our evil, all of our shame into himself and bearing the blunt force of God's wrath for all of it. He is full of righteous anger and tears over all the evil that we've done and all that evil has done to us. And he is taking that wrath so that we never have to experience even a drop of it. Because of our Jesus, we will never have to grieve without hope. We will never have to fear death. And we will never have to endure the suffering of living in the already but not yet alone. We will always be with our Savior. We will always be with each other. And today, thank God, we get to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. And this is another sign. You know, Lazarus' death was a sign. But at this table, we celebrate a far greater sign, a far greater reality. It is a sign and a seal of a far greater reality that our Jesus died. And he died with purpose. He died so that we could have life, and he was very dead, and he was in the tomb for three days. And then he rose again. And all the things that he said were proved true. Just like he gave those people that sign of Lazarus. Hey, look, I know I'm saying some crazy things, like I have the power over death, so I need you to see this man get up and come out of the grave. And it's like all the things, all the crazy things that God said about how he would deliver his people and what he would do and who Jesus is and who our Savior is and how much he loves us and how he can give us life and he adopts us into his family. When Jesus walked out of the grave, all of those things now we trust and know are true. And so when we partake of this meal, we get to physically touch and taste and smell and see these elements and what they are, and what they represent, we are strengthened by them. He reminds us again, he is coming and whispering to us, even shouting at us, the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ for his people. And for all those who are not his people yet, but are hearing this word and saying, I believe that. And if that's you, if this is the first time, then you are welcome to this table. Because Jesus, here's what Jesus said about this table. It is for everyone. It is for everyone who knows that we are enslaved to sin. We are enslaved to death. And we need a Savior. And He is the Savior. He is the only one. He is the only one who is fully God and fully man and can come and suffer and die in our place. And it actually do something for us. It actually changes our eternity. And He's asking us the question that He asked Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And if the answer is yes, whether it's yes for the millionth time or the first time, then run to this table. Because he says, here's what this table is. The night that he was betrayed, he was with his disciples, and he said, this bread, the bread of this table is my body that is broken and torn for you. 
Feast on me. You need this. You need me. This is an enemy you can't defeat. I have defeated for you by laying myself down and letting myself be slain like a lamb in your place. So feed on me. And this wine that is poured out is my blood that is poured out for you. And it's also the cup of a new covenant. The new covenant is you are now in Christ. If you believe that this is true, then you are covered by his blood. And what we drink is not the cup of God's wrath that we deserve. He has has drank that down to the dregs for us. What we drink now is the foretaste of the wedding feast, the cup of God's celebration, the cup of God's love, the cup of God's fatherhood to us, the cup of eternal life. And he says, do you believe this? And if you do, run to this table and taste and see that the Lord is good. And so what we're going to do today, because Midtown East stole our kneelers. <laughs> no, they belonged to them, and uh, they weren't able to use them for a long time. And now we actually celebrate they're in an awesome facility where they get to use their kneelers. And if you know how to build kneelers, we would love to talk to you. Um, <laughs> today what we're going to do is we're going to come to these community tables. And there's three of them. And uh, we'll just come and, and sort of fill around the table. And, you know, I'm really thankful for that today, too, that... Uh, we're going to come in an even more tangible way and realize, hey, we're not alone in this. So come when you're ready and taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for all the ways you love us, even in ways we don't understand. Um, Yeah, strengthen us here. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this... uh, The stuff that we're in, it's not over just because we worship today. But what we did today was we worship the God who is with us in everything that we will experience. We worship the God who has taken away all fear of death. And that there's never a time that we will be alone apart from him. And so as we go from here, there's an enemy who's still at work in this world who wants to convince us mainly of two things. Uh, One, that God is is not powerful, and that he does not love his people. Uh, And what is true of God is that he deeply loves his people. He is weeping with us. He is angry with us. He is present with us wherever we are. And he's not weeping in weakness. He is weeping in power, because what he has done is he has conquered death. He has conquered Satan. And he has made a way for all of his people to be with him for all eternity. And he is not doing nothing He is working even now. So receive this good word about our Jesus. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Go in peace.